Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone, rest your Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. We are coming into the home stretch on Matthew 18, just today and tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. This first week of the new year, first it's almost over. Year. It's been a great week, though. They all move so quickly. They do. They do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So here we are in Matthew chapter 18. It's, I, yeah. I want to read, a or have us read, I'd like for you to read a lengthier section. Well, thank you. A couple of things that go together that I'm not sure we always put together. Yeah, so I'm going to be reading Matthew 18. I'm going to read verses 12 through 20 in the New King James Version. Matthew 18, verse 12. What do you think, Jesus is speaking, Jesus asks, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, as surely I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, then let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector." Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I got a question. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, you, you, you probably... Actually, I, I doubt you have the experience to answer this either, but I have to tell you, this is one of those parables where I sit back and I wonder, is this really how every shepherd acts? Ah, I see. I've got a hundred sheep and one has gone missing and I'm on the mountains. I, I mean, I could see it if we were in the fold with the mm -hmm. fences or if there's, hey, I know there's other shepherds and this is just the chief shepherd who's leaving. Man, it blows my mind. I mean, this may be a story that just, oh yeah, very common. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what a shepherd would do. We would all do that. Every one of us would do that. And maybe, maybe so. But man, when I hear that story and I think if I were the shepherd, I'd like, no, I wouldn't do that. Because now I'm putting the 99 in danger right. in order to get the one. Well, you know, when we've talked about the parables before, particularly in the 13th chapter of Matthew, we made the point and we learned together that usually there's something different about the story. That's what makes it stick. That yeah. these aren't all common sense everyday kind of stories. Yeah. And to your point, when I see verse 14, so it is, not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I think we see the uh, understanding of the parable here. The father is the shepherd who's willing to leave 99 
to go and save even one. The great lengths that he would go to for even one. Yeah, I don't want to make a dogmatic assertion about how shepherding actually works. I have less in, less experience shepherding than I do gardening. <laughs> so, so wow, I, I can even understand the parable <laughs> of the sower better than I can the the parable of this shepherd. So it may it may be that yeah, the the shepherds of Jerusalem that or Judea that's exactly what they would do. They would all do it. And if so, then Jesus' point is, look, we would all do this, and that's the way our Father is. But at the same time, Jeff's going to tell you, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if they're all sitting there saying, wait, what? No, none of us would do that. What are you talking But our Father does that. Well, yeah. Our Father does what none of us would do. It wouldn't wouldn't surprise me a bit if that's exactly Jesus' point. That he's an exceptional shepherd. That he's an exceptional shepherd. That he's a good shepherd. That he's a good shepherd. You may be onto something with that one. Again, I don't... (laughs) Yeah, that one I know I'm right about. (laughs) I I really... I don't know how shepherding works as far as the one in 99, but at the very least, what he's saying is our shepherd, our good shepherd is extraordinary. Well, and, and be that as it may about the maybe the common commitments of shepherds. What an incredible picture here Yeah, that the father does leave the 99 for the one. And even one means so much that we are special and observed by our father and loved and protected. And he wants us to be a part of him. He wants us to be safe. And I think that goes along with the humility we've been talking about this week. And particularly where we ended on yesterday, the note we ended on yesterday from Philippians 2, how Jesus would empty himself of all to to die for us and even die upon the cross. I mean, here's a here's a shepherd that leaves everything and leaves the flock to go out and seek the one and save the one, and it's a joy to him. There's rejoicing over the one that he finds. Yeah. And he of course we've got other places where this parable is used and it is that idea of then he's going to call everybody together and rejoice with us. Yeah, that's great. In Luke 15, you've got that story. And so he here does a little different, I guess, but but I mean the same in, in well the point is the same. One one of the things to highlight there is you, you know, I think this is one of those places again where we don't often picture it the way it really is. It's like in our mind, well, Jesus taught this, he taught Rejoices it once, it's over. over. But let me ask you, do you have any sermons that you've preached more than once in different places? Well, you know, as a matter of fact, I have. Let me ask you this. The better you... ones. <laughs> I, I know I can't say the best. That that wouldn't be right, but the better ones. Well, they may be your best. They may be my best. I, I, I want to have that attitude that says, you know what? I don't know what my best one is. I hope I haven't written it yet. <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> but the better ones. Yeah. So, well, let me ask you this. Do you have any sermons that you've preached more than once actually at the same place? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. Or do you have... Are so similar. Or Yeah. yeah. Do you have topics that you've covered more than once at the same Most place? Definitely. And so, Most and so definitely. even though it's a different lesson, you're saying some of the same things. You might even use some of the same illustrations. Same illustrations, same stories. You know you've used the story too much when you begin it and you just hear a groan in the congregation. <laughs> okay. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever used an illustration... In more than one sermon. So you're talking about different topics, but you bring up a similar illustration. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, we've we've all done that. And so it shouldn't surprise us that we find a story like this shepherd who leaves the 90 and 9 and goes after the one in a couple of different contexts that might even make some nuanced different points. Yeah. 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 Because that is actually how preaching and teaching works. Mm -hmm. You sometimes you say the same things to different people. Sometimes you say the same things to the same people because they aren't getting it. Yeah. 
sometimes you've got an illustration that fits in multiple places and you use it again. Yeah. yeah so definitely. I, I, I bringing all this up because I know what the critics like to do is, Oh, look, they can't even get it straight. When Jesus said this, what are you talking about? It's, this is normal. I mean, if somebody were writing sure. about your preaching mm-hmm. and, and if three or four different people were writing about your preaching, they might have a different sermon in mind where you use the same story. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is not a place for where critics have a leg to stand on and pushing yeah. against the the truthfulness of Scripture. I think that's a great point. Um, just kind of moving ahead here into verse 15. So we, we have the moreover, and that is that there are... I, okay, so we've been told it's bad when stumbling blocks come and people are caused to sin. Right? That's mm-hmm. bad. Better mm-hmm. to have a millstone hung around your neck. We move into verse 15 in the next paragraph here, and we seem to contemplate, okay, sin has occurred. You've been sinned against. What are we going to do about it? I think that's important. We've been saying that in this chapter, we're seeing the perspective of the least, the last, and the lowly. Mm-hmm. What happens when the least and the last and the lowly become the lost? Mm. Because here's, here's how I know how I've sometimes acted. And how I think sometimes other people other than just me act. We see the least, the last, and the lowly, and we've kind of despised them a little bit, and then they go into sin. Mm. And my reaction sometimes is, well, what'd you expect? I mean, of course, wow. I, we always knew that's what they were going to do. Yeah. I told you. I told you that's the kind of person they were. I told you they were just going to be a sinner. I told you. Yeah. you know, and, uh, and, so, and there's that despising Mm. Again, mm. the least, the last, and the lowly. Well, they just came here to get money. I told you. Yeah. They just came here to get this. They just came here for that. And and when when something came happens, it's sinful. Use God's people. Yeah. yeah. And when they do something that's sinful, but but what does Jesus do? Jesus goes looking for them. Mm-hmm. Jesus goes hunting them and pursuing them. Yeah. He, like he's, I don't despise them. I want them. I want them here. Mm-hmm. And so as we tie Jesus story about the shepherd going after the sheep, and then we move into this issue of congregational discipline, which is how we most often look at that next paragraph. Well, we've got the word church in it, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We, we take a look at that next paragraph as if it is the plan for how to ultimately withdraw from someone when actually what this is, is the plan for how to go after that sheep and bring him back. Be the one to bring. Yeah. Leave the 99 and go bring one home. Go bring one home. That's what that's actually the plan for. Yeah. It understands that some sheep won't come back. Mm-hmm. And so it teaches us what to do when yeah. the sheep won't return. But, but this, these stages are not about how to get rid of a sheep. It's, right. it's the extraordinary lengths that we will go to to bring someone back. If I know someone has gone into sin, rather than despising them, mm-hmm. I want to receive them and welcome them, not receiving and welcoming sin, but by getting them to repent, by getting them to turn. So now I don't want to be a stumbling block, no. but I want to be somebody who takes somebody who sinned and bring them back. Yeah. Instead of the stumbling block, be the shepherd going after the one. So, hey, so it starts with, it could be as simple as going and speaking to your brother. Could, Edwin, could anything really be that simple? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I to ask the question like that, I was like, well, duh. Yeah, it could be that simple. I wonder why more people don't do that, though. It seems like when there's an issue of sin, some problem between brethren, the last person that you talk to is the one that you've got the problem with, the issue with, you know? It, it, there is a sin, there's a problem, and we want to go talk to the elders right away or gripe about it or, you know, gossip and such as this. 
I don't want to uh, rock get the into boat. Sin, get into sin that much quicker. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to cause a conflict. I don't want to be in that. This is going to cost me too much time. They may not like me. They may get mad at me. They may say mean things to me. Yeah. All of those are excuses that I make to keep mm-hmm. from talking Absolutely. to people. I, I, of course, one of the excuses I make is, well, look, I'm no better. Who am I to be the one to go talk to him? So I know sometimes that's the excuse. Yeah. But yeah. the issue here is, is that, you know what? If I'm in sin, I hope someone will come and talk to me. And so if I see you sinning, Having removed and 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 you know making sure that I don't have the log sticking out of my right. eye. Right, we talked about that. Which you said honestly, I think that's actually part of why we would get to the one or two witness, one or two people to come along with us, mm-hmm. because the recognition I might have a log in my eye. Yeah, it may be that I've come to you, and really. I, I, I don't it's, have it right, and yeah. so so you're not responding to me. So I go get one or two to come with me, and. I think the great wisdom behind that is that sometimes those one or two are going to look at me and say, Edwin, you're right. There is sin, but it's not him. It's you. <laughs> or, or they might say, look, Edwin, this isn't sin. This is just some personality yeah. issue. And so that, that step of bringing right. the other two mm-hmm. is, is helping remove that log. If that's what's going on. It is striking that uh, we get the call back here to the law of Moses, two or three witnesses, two or three witnesses. Which, again, in, in the old law and that jurisprudence, that, that is establishing truth, okay? These these are the facts of the matter. This is the situation. Uh, you know, and, and so that takes it out of a he said, she said kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and back in the law, again, it's the idea that you never, you never discipline anybody on the evidence of just one witness. You have to have two or three. Yeah. And so then God says, or Jesus says, you know, so look, th- these are the extraordinary links we go to bring a sheep back into the fold and the flock. But if mm-hmm. the sheep refuses, mm-hmm. we've, we've called the, now the two or three witnesses go to the church to get the church involved, the entire flock involved in trying to bring the, she- the sheep back. Yeah. If, they, if they refuse, okay, based on the evidence of these two or three witnesses, then we will take this action that none of us want to take. Yeah. But, um, but God is with us in that. Yeah. God, God is, is with us with, in that, and th- there's great comfort and assurance in the last couple of verses there uh, that God is is in the midst. And, and think about how important that is in the context of the parable we just read, because God is chasing them down. God is wanting them. He's yeah, wanting right. to bring them back. But now we have the assurance that if the sheep refuses to come back, I'm with you when you take this action. That is a great connection to make. The desire is to be in God's will. Yeah. God's will for him to repent and be saved, but if they not, then they need to know that God's will recognizes this is sin, and you have separated yourself now from the way of God and from his people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's—we we, got to wrap up again today. There's been so much in this chapter, and it's just taken us— Oh, good places. Good <laughs> it places. Has. Hard places. Has, good yeah. places. Let's yeah. wrap up with a prayer. Holy God, help us to be convicted and courageous— to love your little ones so much that when we see them turning to sin, we will go after them and and love them and bring them back. And to cover a multitude of sins, we know that if anyone goes after a sinner, a wanderer who's turned away from your way and brings him back, he's shown love, he's saved a soul, a life from death, and has covered a multitude of sins. Help us Amen. to be a part of that. But Lord, also help us to have the courage and the conviction that if a, a sheep refuses to be a part of the flock as painful as it sometimes is, that we will let them go. And hopefully, Lord God, we pray that you would even use that to cause them to return. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Through your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. 
I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.